Hey there, I'm Amanda Soler, founder of SoulfulLiving.com and creator and host of this podcast, Soulful Connections. This podcast offers a way to connect the dots between the lives we're living and the lives we want to live. You'll get to meet or get to know better people in our community who are willing to share what makes their lives meaningful, what brings them joy, and even how they've overcome obstacles that have been thrown their way. So find a cozy spot or keep driving and doing what you're doing, and let's connect. Let's talk about connection. So welcome. My guest today is Natalie Napoleon, an artist and entrepreneur. Her art form is photography. Natalie has exhibited in numerous shows. She's established a national photography firm, which has specialized in everything from portraits to commercial photography and everything in between. She's a leader in our community. Uh, She had a stint as a realtor. She produces currently courses designed to help professionals and uh, amateur photographers. She serves as a business coach. And guess what? She's also a mom of three and a human being (laughs) trying to live her own life. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So first of all, did I describe you correctly? What did I get wrong? I don't think you got anything wrong, but I liked that you said that I had a stint as a realtor. Did you like that? (laughs) It was definitely a stint. How long was it? Uh, About four years. Oh my gosh. It was a long stint. Oh wow, that is a long stint. It was one of those things I had to do so that I didn't always wonder about it in the future. Well, I thought you were a great realtor. I was a great realtor. I was. It was just a 24-7 job, and I'm not good with 24-7. I need boundaries. I need personal time and business time. And I can't have those two happening simultaneously. Nice. So, so I have a chicken egg question. Okay. Because I always find it interesting about you that you are an artist and you are really good at entrepreneurial endeavors. And to me, those are kind of two separate areas of the brain. So when you were little, which came first? your desire to be an artist, your desire to be a a business person? That's a very interesting question. I never thought about it that way. I think that they both came at the same time. I remember there were two specific events. One, and I think this happened when I was a little older. One was me sitting on my living room floor Um, surrounded by my dad's National Geographic collection and looking through all of the all of the magazines and the photographs and wanting to explore different cultures and worlds and to be that photographer and then but I think that happened when I was a little bit older I, I don't know I have no idea I don't remember but there was another time when I was in elementary school I was um I sold caterpillars and I sold friendship bracelets. So I remember I made about $30 selling friendship bracelets and $80 selling caterpillars. 
So I wonder if they both came around the same time because I really, although selling caterpillars was really fun because I just went and found caterpillars and sold what There's I found. No overhead. No overhead, <laughs> no time really invested in making something, mm -hmm. just the time and searching, which was really fun. Um, <laughs> but I really enjoyed making the friendship bracelets because it was gratifying to see the physical product that came from my soul, essentially, the feelings that came from my soul exhibited into a physical product. Um, so I guess oh, they're all at the same time. Yeah, because a lot of people would make the bracelet and enjoy that creative process, but not take that next step to sell the bracelet. Yeah, I made you $80. Know? I sold them in the back of the bus. Oh, that's very So I would collect orders and then I would create um, the bracelets. And that was that. So can you describe your childhood? You lived not too far away. Yeah. So I had a really fun childhood. I had, I was the oldest of three. I have a brother and a sister. And I just remember spending a lot of our time outside. So we had some woods around our house. I remember loving to build forts in the woods and climb the trees. And I loved nature. I also loved as i got older i went to a ukrainian dance camp for years and years and years so i loved dancing i loved sports um i think i always knew i wanted to be an entrepreneur and an artist i, I know i always knew that but i think that as i got older and it came time to go to college um my my vision of my future conflicted with my mother's vision of my future. So I allowed myself to step back from my own vision and allowed her to project her vision onto me. So I went into school to study international affairs because I was good with languages and bilingual. And so I went in to be into into school to be an international affairs major but it wasn't really something that i was passionate about in terms of a career and then my father passed my last semester of college and i did a complete 360 and changed my major to photography because i knew that that was the time for me to do something that I was passionate about. I wanted to live my life knowing that I was doing something I wanted to do. So I really wanted to be a photojournalist. Uh, I was in school in Washington, DC, and I wanted to work for National Geographic, but the school I went to didn't offer photojournalism um, um, major. And in fact, my advisor tried to advise me against going into the arts, even though he was an artist himself. So it was interesting. He kept giving me bad grades and his, I took his art history class twice and he kept giving me bad grades. So I don't know if it was my memory, which is possible, or because there's a lot of rote memory skills in, in art history, or he was just trying to dissuade me because he was very adamant about me not being an artist. So anyway, I ended up majoring in fine arts with a minor, with a concentration in photography and a minor in photojournalism. And my intention was to become a National Geographic photographer. So I had, I had gotten a job at the lab at National Geographic. I was printing um, these amazing works of art, Steve McCurry's girl, Afghan girl, and 
so many other um, amazing photographers' works. And then the black and white printer retired and I was about to move into his position and I ended up getting pregnant with my first son. So the plan changed. Um, and so that's around that time I started photographing weddings and continued to photograph weddings until about probably about seven, six years ago. Um, and then um, now today I do, I've, I've actually transitioned about, about 13 years ago, I transitioned to brand identity photography. So I work with um, small brands and corporations to help them build a library of images that reflects the look and feel of their brand. And now I am a course instructor. So I teach product-based business owners how to photograph their products, have enthusiasts, how to use their cameras and bloggers and influencers, how to use their cameras as well um, when they're out on the field. I should actually take that from you, <clears throat> but because I just said it on auto and I go to town. Um, you know, what's interesting when you talk about the Ukrainian dance and you're um, being bilingual, how did culture, your cultures, uh, your dad was Italian, right? Right. Of Italian descent, and your mother was Ukrainian. Right. What role did that play in your life? Yeah. So I don't know much about being Italian. Um, I was really raised as being Ukrainian. Uh, so in the Ukrainian culture, art is heavily valued. So mm -hmm. I was always raised with art around me. My grandmother always encouraged um, arts. She encouraged um, literature. She encouraged visual arts. Uh, the whole community really embraces arts, all types of arts, dance and That's so interesting. all of that. So I really feel like that had a big influence on my desire to become an artist. Yeah, I'm always interested when people have another culture that infuses their life in the U.S. because I, you know, didn't have that. I mean, the cultures of my parents were so far back that there was no other language being spoken in our home. And um, I always find that curious. And did people <clears throat> like you spoke Ukrainian? Did you speak it with your mother or with your grandmother? Yeah, well, my mother and my grandmother, okay. um, we I only spoke Ukrainian initially when I went to kindergarten. I don't think I spoke as much English. Obviously my father was in the house and he didn't speak Ukrainian. So I must've spoken some, but the story I've been told was that I didn't speak English when I went to kindergarten. So I had to learn how to speak English in kindergarten. I'm sure that's not true because I can't imagine Maybe how I would have communicated yeah. with my father. And I do remember I was always an avid reader, so I remember reading books, and I know that they were all in English, so I don't know that there's much truth to that, but yeah, I think Ukrainian was the primary language in the household, so um, we just spoke it on a daily basis. I went to Ukrainian school on the weekends, um, so it was uh, an integral part of my life. So is it um, something that you've passed on to your, ch your own children? Yeah, no, I guess <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I tried it and I tried to send them to Ukrainian school. I think that there were a couple of, of things that were working against me. Um, so 
my kids are half Korean. And so I didn't want to alienate that part of them. Like my Italian side was alienated. So they've been introduced to the Ukrainian culture and the Korean culture, not so much the Italian culture, because I just don't know. I don't know how to do right. that or where to do that. Um, so they've been introduced to both of those cultures. They did go to Ukrainian school for a while, but um, it was, first of all, it was just far from our home. And as I was trying to build a business on the weekends, it was difficult for me to get them to Ukrainian school an hour away and then, you know, spend all day there. And it just, it just logistically yeah. was complicated. And then there were just some parts of the culture. It's, um, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but it's a misogynistic type of culture. And so I struggled a little bit with that. Um, and, you know, I've, I think both sides, what I do know from the Italian side is that I've come from two sides of yelling. There was a lot of yelling. Yeah. So it was just some of those little um, facets that I didn't really want to embody. So I guess my kids are just American. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. And because I think you've done a really amazing job as a parent of, um, you know, marrying your family life and your business life. And I know I talk a lot about how people always ask women this and they don't ask men, but I think they should probably ask both people both because the truth is we're both. Um, do you have like a mission statement or a purpose or a driver that fuels you day to day? Any overarching reason for doing things? Um, I don't know. I've never really thought about that. I just, I think that it was always my goal. I always wanted to have children. I always wanted to have my own business. I always wanted to be an artist. And it was always my goal to do all of those things simultaneously. So when we we moved around several times, um, I started my business in Washington, D.C., and then I opened a second studio in San Francisco, and then a third studio here in Doylestown. And when we moved to Doylestown, I knew that this area was going to be able to support me as a parent, as a business owner, and as an artist simultaneously. I knew I could um, bring all three of those aspects of my personal personality into one thing. So I ended up um, closing my DC and San Francisco studios because I just wanted to focus on being those three things in one place. My ultimate goal was to to create a life that supported my children. So I knew that here in this area, I could be a pair, I could be an entrepreneur, I could be an artist, but they were my primary goal. Um, I wanted them to be comfortable and successful. I wanted to support them in any way I possibly could. So I guess to answer your question, my, my mission, and maybe it's changing now that they're older and I have to rethink it, but my mission up until this point has been to create a safe and nurturing life for my children um, while still fulfilling um, the artistic and entrepreneurial sides of myself. That's great. So what do you do for inspiration when you're, you know, not feeling motivated? How do you keep driving toward a goal or toward a great day even? 
So on the days where I'm feeling lackadaisical or draggy or uninspired, I will remind myself what my ultimate goal is, be it for that immediate time period or in the long run. And I'll just remind myself that if I don't do what it is that I need to do in that moment, I'm not going to be able to attain the goal that I've made for myself. So if I want to be happy in the future, I really need to do the thing that I don't want to do in the present. And what makes a day good for you? Yeah, there's a lot of things that make a day good for me. Um, ultimately, I would love to incorporate some type of physical activity into a day. You know, I wake up and I feel like I take care of the animals and my family and my business, and I always end up pushing myself to the side. So I would love to be able to incorporate some type of physical activity every single day, be it a run or yoga and some time to meditate or just to sit and be with myself. And then I know that the rest will fall into place. What about just, it doesn't have to be every life goal, but one of your life goals, like what is your dream or what are you kind of moving toward? Yeah, so my dream right now is to um, grow my business, this current iteration of my business into a viable business that can ultimately run itself. Um, so, so I'm, I'm working on building all of these courses and building a photography school essentially. And so ultimately I want to have a team that can help support me so that I can, um, just work on teaching and that will give me the flexibility to, be location independent so I can go visit my kids wherever they happen to be and spend time with them and continue to work on my business. Um, it'll also give me financial independence, which is really exciting to me. Uh, I don't feel like I need, it won't, I, I won't have to be dependent on a, a job in one specific physical location. Whereas when I was doing photography as a, as a service, I had to be in a physical location, specific physical location to do whatever it was that I was doing. This gives me the freedom to make my own schedule. Love it. Um, so some random questions. These are just off the top of your head. Um, fun, random questions. Favorite food? Oh, man. <laughs> I am not good with superlatives. <laughs> I know. A food you like. I should, I'm taking out the word favorite going forward. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a food I like. I love Mexican food. Mm. So I'm actually going to a Mexican restaurant tonight. Yum. Um, so a destination that you love, that you've either been or that you dream of going to. Uh, my all-time favorite place is New York City. Interesting. I thought mm -hmm. about you when I was driving from the airport and I thought, as I used I wasn't even driving. Victor was driving and I just actually screamed, we're going to die the whole way. <laughs> and I thought, wow, Natalie can do this. I'm so impressed with that. Um, a, an emoji that you commonly use. Like if I went to your emojis, what would I see all yeah. of the time? Um, probably the the laughing emoji, emoji with the tears coming out of the side. A book you found impactful. Hmm. I haven't read a book in a hot minute. Um, I think 
The Checklist Manifesto actually was a book that has stuck with me. Why? I just find it so fascinating that it's such a simple thing. A checklist is such a simple thing. Yet professionals like doctors, for instance, refuse to use a checklist. And I know that there are times where I think that things are so simple that I don't need a checklist in my own life, be it in my personal or my professional life. But ultimately, I can't rely on my brain to remember every single step of whatever it is I happen to do because there's so many other things happening in there at the same time. It's just such a simple concept that can make life so much easier that we, for some reason, rebel against. See, I do not rebel against the checklist and I never understand that rebellion because I have one of my three who will refuse, but I love lists. I'm passionate about them. I will put shower on my checklist just so I can definitely check something off. It's really strange. And when my one daughter, I'll say, well, where's your list? She's like, list? I don't make a list, you know? And I'm never, I'm always confused by that personality, but you're right there. She rebels against it. Yeah. Um, so what series or a movie recently resonated with you? So I'm watching several series at one time right now because it gives my brain a chance to quiet down, um, and keeps me entertained when I'm doing mundane tasks like dishes or laundry. So I think I'm going to have to jump on the Ted Lasso bandwagon right now. Yes. Well, you and my friend Roseanne directed me toward Ted Lasso and I became addicted. I thought, what am I going to like a thing about a happy coach for? (laughs) I don't even like sports, but I love it. So I'm right there with you. Um, And then lastly, what do you wish other people would either do or, or know? Hmm. In general? Yeah. Like if you could change one thing about the rest of the world, you Mm -hmm. could either make them understand something Mm -hmm. or you would make them all read something Mm -hmm. or you would make them all do something. I just wish I have the gift slash curse of being able to see both sides of the situation. I just wish that people could take a moment to step outside of themselves and their own personal agendas to really consider everyone's unique paradigms. Nice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being my guest, Natalie. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. Hey, thanks for listening. And thank you so much to Billy Aronson, who gifted me with his wonderful music and even coming up with the word connections for this podcast. Thanks to my bestie, Roseanne Griffiths. She serves as the official advisor and unofficial associate producer of this podcast. Thank you to all of my friends and family who let me bounce ideas off of them. And to you guys who listen, please let me know your thoughts, your ideas, your questions. You can reach me at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S like solar, O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E at gmail.com.